Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Being Love in Action podcast. And we are here this evening to share with you a powerful word from our very own Kenya C. Williams of Kenya C. Williams Ministries. So we encourage you tonight as she walks through the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 through 5, in a powerful and encouraging word entitled Esther, the Attitude Adjuster. So we encourage you to pull out your journals, take notes, fill your coffee and teacups, sip your water, and listen with an open heart and mind while being inspired, empowered, and even challenged as we share through the gospel of Jesus Christ this on-time word with you today. Thank you and stay tuned in. Praise the Lord, everyone. I just want to greet everyone in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for whom we give all the honor, the glory and praise to. For he is the great I am, the master of all things. He is the creator and the one whom all things were created for and to. And in my life, I always give him glory, honor, and praise because he is truly the head of my life. Amen. And God bless you. I thank you once again for tuning in with us on the Being Love in Action podcast. Today, we are not taking part of on today. This is an impromptu word that God has has purposed me to share with you on today. And Tuesday for our regular timing and broadcast, we'll put up the other podcast for our ongoing being love in action um, coming from the book of first Corinthians chapter 13 verses one through eight. I pray that it has blessed you. We're coming out of love is kindness and the next one will be love does not envy. So tune in on Tuesday to come back and be part of this wonderful podcast. Amen. But on this evening, I just want to come to you and share with you a word that God really blessed me with on tonight. And it is a word that I believe is a, is a timely word. And, and we're going to look at the Queen Esther in the book of Esther, chapter four, verses 12 through 15. And many of us know um, Queen Esther to be a young woman of wisdom and many times men and our brothers in Christ, they refer to saying they would want a wife like Queen Esther. And I think that Queen Esther surely poses some great attributes of a, a woman of God and a woman of character. And and tonight we're just going to walk through a little bit and talk about Esther and what it means when we say Esther, the attitude of Jester. I know that may perk your minds up a little bit. And I'm, I pray that it does because I promise as we walk through this text and I won't be for, before you very long, I believe that through the word of God, we'll understand how her position and how her purpose granted God's promise in order for her to make a life impact change to the people of God that she was atta- attached to. Amen. 
And I believe through Esther's story, we could look at our very own lives and begin to understand how our attitudes and how the way that we look at life can determine how life outcomes can be those that God has promised us if we abide by the will of the Father. And if we look at our own hearts and minds and embrace the opportunities that God give us on a day-to-day basis. Amen. Let us get into the word of God. Amen. God bless you. You know, when I was growing up as a, as a young girl, my grandfather, uh, for those who may know me, know that I have a very, very um, strong love towards my grandfather. He is... Yes, my father raised me and my father was in my life, but, and I am a daddy's girl, but I am also a grandfather's girl. I'm a grandpa girl. My grandfather, we called him Pops or Papa Herb. He had a couple of names that we went by, uh, but I called him Pops most of the time. And he was someone that always had a lot of wisdom. These, these words or these sayings that he would always give impromptu, you know, whenever you would meet Mr. Green, Uh, My grandfather's name was Herbert L. Green Sr. And anyone who knew him and knew him within the community, he always had a word to give to you, whether you were a child, whether you were an adult, whether you're a young adult. He was always an encouraging person. His attitude was one that always when you were in his presence, you just knew in that moment that things were going to be okay. And I thank God for him because he always had these great sayings that to this day, I live by many of them. And one of the ones that sticks to my mind right now is he would always tell me as I was growing up and and coming from my, you know, teenage, my very early, you know, my teenage years, probably to young adult years. My grandfather would say to me, you know, life is you never he said you never regret anything in life. He said, never regret anything in life because at the time that you made the decisions you make, you make them because that's what you wanted to do. Whether it was a decision based on a necessity or it was a decision based upon off of pleasure. It was a decision that you made in life. And if you may in that moment, but if you made the wrong decision, stand by it. Because what it is was a life learning experience. So he said, never regret anything. Always look at it as a life learning experience. And as I grew up, you know, I really didn't always understand what that meant. But as an adult and I look back on it, I'm so grateful for that that word that he gave me of of taking life challenges and, and life decisions that may not always end it the way that I wanted them to. But instead of looking at it as a regretful thing, look at it as a life lesson. And I think that helped me to not become overly uh, depressed or overly uh, looking at myself in such a negative way. I looked at it as You know, I took accountability, but I also in that accountability looked at it as a lesson. You know, maybe I didn't do make the make the best choice. Maybe I didn't create the right answer or um, move according to the way that I could have. But I did what I did. And as a result of that, I was able to learn a lesson. So the next time the next life circumstance or the next life challenge that I would be presented, that I would look at it as a learning lesson. And I would take that lesson that I learned in the past. And then I would be able 
to not make the same mistake and take the wisdom from that and grow from it. And then we look at the life of Esther. And as we tag the text, Queen Esther, the attitude of Jester, Esther's life was very, you know, humbled, very peculiar in a sense. Esther's parents were no longer alive. She was raised by her uncle Mordecai. And they were, of course, Jews. And she was raised by her uncle. And, and she was, it said that her real name was Hadassah, which is a beautiful Jewish name. Her name was Hadassah. And the word of God says that she was beautiful. She had a lovely figure. And then there was an, an edict that was written by the king and the king exercise was the king at the time. And that edict said that he was looking for virgins who were beautiful all over the land. And, and as a result of this, all of the young women who were virgins, who, who fell under the, um, who were candidates of what he was looking for, he, they were ushered to the palace. But the reason why they were ushered to the palace, and here was Hadassah, and then her name was changed to Esther as she got into the palace. And part of that was because she did not want her lineage to be known. Amen. But there was a reason that Esther and all of the lovely women throughout the land were called to the king's palace. See, Esther did had no clue that being raised by her uncle and learning the laws and the traditions of Jewish culture and learning about God and, and having an understanding of family and value. Yet she did not have both of her parents no longer living. She was raised by her uncle. She was considered an orphan. Now she's being carried away to the King's palace. No one knew, not even Esther, that all of these things that had been transpiring in her life, was pushing her and ushering her into a purpose. Oh my God, I want you to hear me today. We never understand sometimes why our backgrounds of our lives may be the way we way they are. Maybe we were raised without a parent. Maybe we were raised, you know, by family members. Maybe we were raised as wardens of the state in, in foster homes. We don't understand sometimes why our life happens the way it does. But I tell you this, if you know anything about God and the way that he does his people, there is always a purpose for everything and anything that happens in your life. And many times the reason things happen is a result of someone else's attitude, whether it was good or bad, that trickles down on our lives. So here we go. And here is Hadassah, Queen Esther, going into, I want you to understand that everything about your life from your, before you were even formed in your mother's womb was predestined by God almighty. Everything that you have experienced in your life has been determined already. Not the decisions you have necessarily made because we have free will, but the lining or aligning of things as they have happened in your life as a result of the predestination 
that God has already purposed for you has already been aligned. Amen. And here is the story of Queen Esther that began with the story of Queen Vashati. I want you to understand that Esther never knew or understood that the queen would have a purpose role in her life. And the word of God says in Esther chapter four, starting at verse 12 through verse 15. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house alone, of all the Jews will you escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night, three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I will perish. Amen. Here is this young woman carried off in the night with hundreds and thousands of other young women as a result of Queen Vashati's attitude. And Esther, it says that the backdrop of the story is this. King Xerxes for six months, which is 180 days, it says, in the Bible, but for six months, he gave a grand banquet for all the nobles and officials. And after that six months of parading the riches of his, his, his kingdom, he also gave for seven days for all of the people in the citadel of Susa. And, and, and then he, in the midst of the seven days, he sent for his beautiful queen, Fashati to come and grace the people with his presence. And the word says that Ashanti had also given a banquet for the women. Being the queen, I understand that it was quite natural for her as a result of her being the queen to honor those official wives and and also kind of flex her muscles a little bit as the queen, amen? Because the, the reality is the queen is a direct reflection of the king. And it says that when he sent for her, she did not come. Now we can look at this book has so much in it. And, and I think I'm going to do a Bible study for the women about Queen Esther and just really break down Queen Esther and Queen Vashati. Some of the their character traits and other things that can be a blessing. But for right now, we want to look at the fact that for whatever reason, Vashanti, the queen, did not come to her husband. It was out of place. I want you to understand that your position in life 
And your attitude dictates how you're, you will be placed in that position. In other words, your attitude will set up how you operate in your position of power. Here the queen, maybe she was upset with him. Maybe she was mad because he didn't call her to come to him, to his room. Or maybe she just had an attitude. Maybe it was that time of month that she, you know, forgive me, but I'm just being honest. As women, when we have those moments, the time of the month, we, we, we're moody. And, and maybe this was one of those days that she was moody. But women of God, we got to remember that we still have to maintain our attitude or our emotions when things are not going the way we wanted them to go or we're having a bad day. And there is a time and a place for everything. So she waited until not her husband, because that is just one part of the title he wore. Her husband was who he was to her, but to a kingdom, he was the king. Amen. And so as a king, he had to uphold the laws and the statues to maintain order throughout his kingdom. And that meant that as the queen, she was under subjection and submission to the king as well as everyone else. And she chose an inappropriate time to act as his wife. I hope you understand where I'm going with this. She chose an inappropriate time to act as his wife. You may say, well, woman of God, what do you mean? When does she not act as his wife? Well, I'll give you a great example just to give you an, to give you an understanding. When you have a husband, amen. When you guys are behind closed doors, you operate as husband and wife, just like you operate as husband and wife in public. But there are some things that are said behind closed doors and done behind closed doors that is not privy to the public. Amen. And it shouldn't be. And then if you have a husband who is a man that is in a place of power in position, maybe he's a pastor, maybe he's a minister, maybe he's clergy, maybe he's, uh, you know, a CEO of a company or he is a CEO of his own company. Maybe he is a political man. Maybe he is a president or a senator. Maybe he's a congressman. Maybe he's a councilman. Maybe he's a police officer. When you have a man or husband who is in a position of power, especially when it's a position of power where he has other people that he, he is responsible for in such a way you can't always act like the wife when y'all in public because at that point, he's not wearing the hat of a husband. Yes, he's clothed as a husband, but in that moment, he's wearing the hat of whatever position he's in. So now her, she goes in front of all the people, the nobles and the officials. Well, she doesn't go. She doesn't show up. And as a result of the blatant disrespect that she shows to her husband, now he has to act. Because see, now her behavior or her attitude does not just affect their bedroom or their relationship. Now it's reflect, reflecting the kingdom. It's not only reflecting the kingdom, it's affecting the kingdom. Because now other women who see the queen behave out of character 
in public, it gives them the idea, not that it's right, but it can give them the idea where if, if she can act like that to the king, then surely I can act like this to my old husband who's just a farmer or my old husband who's just a shepherd or maybe to one of the noble wives or officials. Well, I can act like this because Queen Fashati disrespected her husband. So now the husband, the king, Xerxes, has to put Vashati in her place because he recognizes that not he's not putting in her place just because he's trying to be cruel or mean. He has to as the king because it's almost like a disease. If you don't deal with the disease or the signs of the disease immediately, it can spread to the entire body. So many times when you have a cough or cold, you deal with that before the sinuses or if you have the sinus issue, it begins to drain into your chest. And if you're like me with asthma, you may have an upper respiratory condition. You don't want to wait until it gets to the rest of the body. And so here is the king having to make a decision because now he has a kingdom to look after based off of his wife's attitude where she could have waited until they got in their privacy. I don't know why I'm going here with this, but I'm just going to go and be obedient to the, to, to what God is saying, because this is not really part of what I'm trying to give in this part of the text, but I'm just going to flow with it. His decision was one that affected not only him, but his entire kingdom. And watch this. I don't think that the king was pleased about having to make the decision. I believe that, yes, he was angry and he was dis and he was upset that she behaved in such a manner to openly disrespect him. And as a king, just like anyone else, we, we get attitudes. We get upset about things when people hurt us. But when we love people, we get over it. But sometimes the damage is done in such a way that even though you may get over it, even though you may forgive, that sting or that wound is still there. And it makes the relationship almost imparable, beyond repair. And this was one of those situations. So now the king had to literally, because of the laws that were put in place, Remember, he's not the first king and he won't be the last king. So the laws that are put in place were laws to keep order in the kingdom, no matter what the which king was in place. So now he had to literally banish his wife, the queen. She wasn't banished necessarily from the kingdom. She was no longer a part of him in the sense of they were operating as husband and wife. Now he had to replace her. She was demoted because of her attitude. This woman who had everything at her hands and the position she was in as queen lost it because of her attitude. Listen, I will never say to any woman or any man, 
And I'm talking to the women right now that are listening. That your feelings are not valid. But what we have to remember is that as women of God, we cannot be moved by our emotions. That it causes us to act out of character. Because when we do that, we will lose our position and our power. Which will cause someone else to step up and claim that which God has already predestined for us. But because of our attitudes, we lose it. It doesn't give a lot of detail about the background of what Queen Vashanti was dealing with for her to blatantly disrespect and dishonor the king. But I believe that there were some things going on. And I'm quite sure that after she made that decision, she looked back and said, wow, what if I would have just went, put on my robe, my beautiful queen attire, honored my husband, the king, and dealt with him later. Listen, there is something to be learned about her. And then Esther from the moment she got into the palace, the word of God says that she was given favor by the eunuch. Hey, God, he was the chief eunuch who was the one that was put in position to take care of all of the needs of the women that were brought to the palace for the picking of the candidates that were brought to the palace to possibly be the queen from the very moment that she stepped foot onto the palace. The Bible says the word of God says she was given favor. Listen, I don't know what type of start you had in your life. Again, maybe you didn't have the best start. Here was Esther, an orphan, Hiding from her identity because one of the things that was said to her in wisdom by the chief eunuch, don't tell anybody that you are a Jew. You got to remember that the atmosphere was not conducive to love on the Jews. The Jews were considered peculiar people because they were set apart. They lived apart from everyone else. They worshiped differently. They lived differently. So they were ostracized. They kept to themselves. And as beautiful as she was, Haggai, the eunuch, understood and her uncle Mordecai told her when he left out of her presence, don't tell anybody where you come from. He didn't tell her that because he was ashamed. You know, sometimes people get in positions in life and they forget where they come from. You know, they forget that if they came from a place we like to call the ghettos or the hoods, or the trailer parks or whatever you want to call it. That that's not the suburbs or the elitism of people. They don't want you to say anything about where you come from because many times there's an embarrassment or there's a stigma. But let me tell you something. This situation was never about embarrassment or a stigma. It was about survival. But her keeping her mouth closed was the very thing that helped her. In the long run. Amen. So again, here is Esther 
From the moment she gets into the palace, she's getting favor. She's gotten favor. The eunuch is given a favor. He's given her seven attendants. He's given her the best suite in the, ca- in the palace for all of the young women. And there's a time when all of the young women would have an opportunity to meet with the king. And then during this time, they would get to take with them whatever they wanted to in the presence of the king. And this time when they would get in the presence of the king, he would make a decision if he wanted to see them again. And that decision was determined by him saying he wanted to see them and saying their name. Amen. So all of this is happening. And while she is being prepared, because one of the things they did was they prepared the women for a beauty regimen before she even came in the presence of the king. So for almost a year, she was preparing, you know, taking several beauty treatments and she was taking, you know, eating certain kind of food. She was in preparation. I need you to hear me. People of God, I need you to hear me, women. You know, if you're looking at this text in the sense of Esther meeting the queen, you got to understand that Esther didn't go in even thinking that she was going to be picked. She probably didn't want to be picked because of where she came from. But she went along with it and she prepared herself. You can't say you're ready for a king if you're still out here living like a pauper. You can't say that you're you're ready for a king if you're out here running the streets or running the whorehouses like Rahab did. I, 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 I want you to hear me because there is a preparation that must take place. You must be in position. I want you to understand that your position sets you up to operate in power. Queen Vashanti's position has set her up to be in power. And now because of her attitude, Queen Esther, I call her the attitude adjuster, came in to be put in position to set her up for greatness. The Bible says that the queen the king instantly took to, to Esther and eventually not long after him coming into contact with her, he crowned her as queen. So now this young woman who has been separated from her uncle, all that she knew was a queen now. And she had the wisdom of her attendants and the chief eunuch. God had given up favor from the very beginning of this, but she didn't understand that there were some other things that were waiting for her. Understand just because you're in position, you got to understand in your position, there is a purpose. See, there was a purpose for Queen Esther to be in position. Everything that she had experienced in her life set her up. For the purpose now that she was facing. See, now that she was the queen, there were some things going on that she had no idea about. There was a man by the name of Hammond who had, who had worked his way up to being the king's right hand. He had become the most honored official in the kingdom beside the king. But there was something about Haman that she had no idea about. He despised the Jews and the reason he despised the Jews because her uncle Mordecai refused to bow down to him. 
See, Mordecai was a man of wisdom. And one of the things that he did when he would go to the gate of the king every day, he sat there and he learned a lot of things. And one of the things he learned was that there was a plot against the king's life. And as a result of him learning this, he informed now his niece, who is the queen. He told his niece and the niece shared it with the king. And as a result of that, 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 that plot against the life of the king was dismembered. Those who were caught, they were caught and they were killed. Amen. So Haman, this man who had despised the Jews, made an edict. He went to the, he went to the king. Now, mind you, Esther is the queen. She's a Jewish queen, but she, no one knows. Her husband doesn't know that she's a Jew. And so now what happens is Haman says to the king, listen, there's a group of people, the Jews, and they, they don't respect you, king. They don't honor you. We need to get rid of them. Because I feel that what they're doing will maybe infest other people. So we need to kill them. We need to annihilate every one of them from the children and everybody. The king being the king who respected the man he put in me, he said, go ahead, do whatever you have to do. But let me tell you something about the plots of man and the enemy. The Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Yes, Haman had set up. A devious plan to annihilate the people of God, but he didn't understand that God had placed a woman by the name of Queen Esther in position and not only in position, but with purpose to bring deliverance. Oh, my God. Understand that you are purposed for a greater destiny in your life. That every plot that the enemy has set against your life. Yeah, there's been some plots on your life. The enemy has caused some things to happen. He has caused family members to turn on you. He's caused church members to talk about you. He's caused some co-workers to, to despise you and congregate on you to get you fired. Well, maybe I ain't down your street up. He's caused a man or a woman that you love to cheat on you or to break your heart. Oh my God. He's caused a, a disease to wreak havoc on your body. And the doctors are saying there is no more hope for you. But let me tell you something. The word of God says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Oh, let me tell you something about the word of God. He says that your sorrow will be turned into joy. And your morning into celebration. See, Haman was setting up a plot to kill God's people. But just like Job, the enemy is looking for us in the testing of our trials to curse God and to give up, to let go of our fate. He's waiting for you when the enemy rages and forms against you. He's waiting for you to give up. He's trying to place fear in your minds and doubt that you are the elect of God. And here is this woman of God. Queen Esther. 
this man sets a plot for God's people. A plot that would annihilate everyone. He had no idea that she was a Jew herself. And she said to her uncle who sent a word and said, listen, you are in position and I need you to do something about it because they're trying to annihilate us. Yes, you may be in the king's court and in the palace, but understand that you don't understand that you may have been called for such a time as this. And if you don't use your position and your purpose to better the kingdom, God will reward and bring deliverance to his people with or without you. But understand there will be a consequence if you make no move. So Esther says to our uncle, I will fast and I will, my people that are connected to me, we're going to fast. And I'm asking you and every person, every Jew to fast with me for three days. And in those three days, she went before God and she prayed and the people of God were all on one accord. See, I believe that they know that deliverance was going to take place. They were facing a situation of certain death. Oh, but there is joy in the morning. See, when the enemy plots against your life, he cannot do anything without the permission of God. See, God is the giver of life and death. He is the one that allows whatever he allows. But understand that her position and her purpose was destined to bring God's promises to pass. Oh, listen. Perservation was God's promise for the Jews in that day. Haman thought that he was going to annihilate him. But God had set up the queen and then won the heart of the, the king and then put the plot before the king. And then the king saw the evil plan of the enemy through Haman. And watch this. The very death sentence that he had given to the people of God for the people of God became his own death sentence. Not only did God give the Jewish people the right to continue to live how they live. He said, listen, you have the right to protect yourselves from anyone that tries to kill you. And you have the right to take whatever that belonged to them. But the, the, the Jews didn't want their stuff. See, God was their provider and their source. They wasn't worried about the stuff that the enemy had. They just wanted the will of the father for their lives. See, Esther was the attitude adjuster. Because in her position, she came into a position because someone else's attitude toward their own husband, the king. See, it was Vashati's ill attitude that put Queen Esther in position. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. 
She became the attitude adjuster because she adjusted the attitude of her enemy, Haman, by using his ill attitude toward the people of God, the Jews. That became the very thing that caused him his own life. Oh, how I love Queen Esther, the attitude adjuster. And not only did she do that, she changed the attitude of the people, her people and those around them. See, they were looked at automatically as peculiar. But yet they were seen once again as the favored of God. It was Esther's position, her purpose, and then God's promise that allowed her to be greatness. Understand it is your position in life, wherever you may find yourself. That your purpose does not negate your destiny in God. Oh, trust him. Trust him in every area of your life, regardless of the circumstances. And know that the God of truth and the God of love will bring you to a place of promise. Come on, let's bless the Lord on today, people of God. We serve an awesome God. And just like Queen Esther in your own life, I don't know what your your background was or it, it is now. I don't know what your position is in life right now, but I guarantee you, if you know God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, whatever position you are, operate in power in that position. Your purpose will promote you. Operate in the gifting of whatever it is that God has blessed you with. And after your position and in your purpose, God's promise will sustain you from the plots of the enemy to see whatever life brings you through. Listen, I pray that this word today empowered and encouraged you and inspired you. Be blessed, people of God. And remember to love and be love in action through the word of God. Amen.